And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to another Lads and Powers. This is Scott Powers, joined by Mark Lazarus, both of The Athletic. Mark, hello. Scott, today is day 100. 100 days. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I had a Facebook memory the other day, and it said, like, I was, it was, I was it was summertime. I'm like, man, this is the 56th straight day I've seen my kids. That never happens because of hockey. And then it's <laughs> like, okay, now I'm at 100 where I'm with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's It's great. Uh, I I, uh, I took a little road trip on Saturday to get out of the town. My wife uh, encouraged me, so that uh, that felt really good. Um, how was, how yeah, was your Father's it was, Day? It was, nice. it was good. Yeah, I got back in time for Father's Day on Sunday, and then uh, it's uh, you know she's still two, so it's uh, it's very much designed by my wife still. So <laughs> um, it was it was good though. It was good to be home, and yeah, it was just uh, it was a nice day. How about you guys? Uh, it was good. It was fun. You know, uh, I asked my in the middle of the day. I go, so we're, we're eating dinner. And I, I, I went out to the butcher and I got steaks and I cooked them. And I go, so guys, what's my big uh, Father's Day present? She goes, you're eating it. I go, you mean the steak that I bought and cooked? He's like, yeah. <laughs> I go, all right. But then I taught her how to make an old-fashioned for me. So now I'm set. I don't, I don't know if that's legal nice. or not. She didn't drink any of it. She just made it for me. <laughs> uh, well, since we last spoke, really nothing's happened. Uh, well, I guess some people have come down with the virus. And <laughs> that's going to happen I, a lot, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's going to be um, – it's not clear yet whether Chicago's still in the hub city discussion. It sounds like Vegas has a spot and then uh, potentially uh, one of the Canadian cities. And then, um, you know, it still sounds like Chicago may be a backup to Vegas if something goes really bad there. But I was just talking to someone today and they, they felt like Vegas maybe had the strongest uh, bubble where, where it's – uh, you know, they can guarantee uh, security and also provide the most sort of entertainment and restaurant options. So, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of questioned why big is considering their numbers and all the temptation there. And it, it sounds like uh, maybe it's more like Olympic setting where there were, uh, I, I know you've covered Olympics and it, I mean, where the, the players are pretty much under uh, forced uh, kind of, they're, they're kind of restricted where they can travel. Yeah. yeah? I mean, I, I would, it would be sort of like that. I mean, they're going to have, I mean, look at, I mean, the, the worst places to be right now are like Arizona, Las Vegas, Florida, and that's where everything's going to be. You got the spring trainings, you know, a lot of, like New York, uh, the, the Mets and the Yankees are going to do their spring training in New York because they're afraid of Florida right now. Uh, you know, the NBA going to Disney world. I don't know how good an idea that is. Cause that's going to be just an epicenter of all this. 
Um, and Vegas is the same thing. I mean, we all see the videos. You know, they open up the uh, the casinos and they, there's a video of someone walking around the Cosmo. And there's not a single person wearing masks. Nobody's socially distanced. It looks just like any other random day in Vegas. Uh, I don't see how... Like, I get that Vegas provides the rinks. It provides the hotels. It provides the restaurants. But it just seems like it's a bad idea. Um, for it, it just it, it, There's too many people there. You can't control it the way you can control Disney World. Um, I think I think they're still going to do Vegas. It's going to be Vegas and probably Edmonton or Vancouver. And I know they want to get a Canadian city. Although they really, having two West Coast or Western, you know, Pacific or Mountain Time Zone cities is not ideal for scheduling games um, mm-hmm. and, and, and to have everyone travel. And then you have to figure out one of the, if, if they're both in the Western Conference, some team's going to be playing in its own rink potentially. I mean, there's, there's lots of complications involved with that. They'd love for it to be, you know, Pittsburgh and, you know, Edmonton or something like that. But Columbus is out of the running. Uh, Aaron Portsline just reported. So they're narrowing it down. We're going to know soon. But I still, I, I, I hate being this guy, but I still don't think any of this is going to happen just because the numbers are so bad. Uh, we, we, the, the, the country reopened too early and we're seeing the effects of it now. The numbers are right. You, you see the, the American charts versus every other country's charts. I just, this just seems like it's, you know, you've got, you've got prominent players testing positive. It's only going to happen more and more often now. Some teams aren't even open for phase two yet. This all just seems like really wishful thinking to me. And I hate thinking like that. I don't want to think like yeah. that, but it's hard for me not to. No, I, I agree. I, at this point, I, I, you almost have to consider putting the, the training camps in the bubble too, right? Like I'd, I'd ship over everyone to Canada right now, have the, have the bubbles there, have training camp there, have everything done in Canada and have two cities and get everybody I, I, out of the United States while you can. Yeah, basically I, I just, I, I don't like for training camp to open up in what, what a few weeks here and then to have that many weeks of training camp and and and, and a lot of those training camps happening in cities uh they're gonna have numbers that spike and uh, and have large number you know even in chicago the numbers are decreasing like there's still uh, a vulnerable vulnerability being in chicago and yeah. for those players to be in chicago for um you know what three weeks or so how, like you're how, not how could have... you how could you let the arizona coyotes have a training camp in arizona right now yeah, it's like twenty percent, especially positive. when yeah, especially when they're not in a bubble. You know, like those are players that are free to come and go, and they're not going to. You know, I'm sure they'll watch out where they're going, but they they still need to eat and and do things. You know, like it's yeah, I, I I'm with you too. I, I I tend to think that they're going to have to make some more drastic measures for this to occur, and, and certainly have training camps happen in, in the United States. So, um, I, I it's it's such a fluid story that you know I feel like from one day to another this is going to be so much different. Yeah, I mean, look at the baseball side where every other day there's a deal, there's not a deal, there's a deal, there's not a deal. I mean, it's going to be like that, not with a deal, but whether this can actually go forward or not. Everyone's trying. They're damn sure going to try. The NHL is going to try as hard as anybody because they've got the right plan and they've got the financial setup for it. But man, it's it's going it's something bad's going to happen here. Like what happens when half a team comes down with it and you, you have to just yeah. stop everything. Um, let's talk about more positive things. Um, the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, announcement will become, I think it's this Wednesday afternoon, they'll announce yep. this year's class, and Marion Hossa is, uh, and Jerome Aginla is the, the lock candidate. He is going to be unanimous, probably. But then uh, Marion Hossa is an interesting case, because I remember four or five years ago, I was banging the drum for Hossa for the Hall of Fame, and I was like, nah, he's not really a Hall of Famer. And then in the last five years, it seems like it switched where everyone's on board with it. I'm really curious to see how it plays out. Because this isn't like the Baseball Writers Association. It's 18 people in a room with multiple ballots trying to narrow down the field. It's, it, it's a weird system that they use. And I don't know if it's better or worse for a guy like Hosa to have that kind of system. 
Well, you were involved in what the athletic had something recently where it, you guys did something like this. Yeah, we did a, we did it last week. I think it's going to run either Tuesday or Wednesday ahead of the announcement. So I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much, but, uh, Eric Duhacek, who is uh, a legend in the business and has been on the hall of fame committee, he got 18 of us basically to become voters. And we did it the exact way they do it in, uh, in uh, the, the Hall of Fame Selection Committee, where everyone gets to nominate a certain amount of names in the certain categories. There's male player, there's female player, and there's builder. And we all got to make our nominations, and we all got to you know write a 300-word thing to make our case. And then we got, to, we got the floor for a couple of minutes to really make our case. And then there's a round of voting. And after a certain amount, you know, they eliminate you know, X amount that didn't get enough votes. And then you have another round of voting. And it was really fascinating. It, was, it took us like three hours, and it was really fascinating to see how the process really works. And I don't know if that process makes me think Hosa's going to get in or not, because I, I, I don't think he's going to get 14 out of 18 votes on the first ballot. But after they winnow out some other guys who want, you know, the Shane Doans of the world who aren't going to get in, do those votes start going to Hosa? Because you only get to vote for up to four male players. Um, Hosa seems like such an obvious candidate to me. But it's like, it's like every sport has this thing about first ballot Hall of Famers. So it'll be really interesting to see me, to me if he gets in. Uh, what, what do you think about his chances? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I thought I wrote about this when I was at ESPN, and I, I just looked it up right now. And I, uh, ESPN had done, had done uh, this is September 2015, like one of their their projects was, you know, like making cases and debates for players. And I, and I, and I wrote about hosts because I was covering the Blackhawks at the time. And, and I was looking at my case four was, you know, his offense uh, numbers are – Almost good enough to get him in, and the case against was that he's deemed a good player, but not a great player. I mean, those are basically the, uh, the kind of the, the the general argument. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like he was such a well-rounded player, and I certain I know there's certain numbers that sort of put you over these lines, um, but the fact that he, he was a really good offensive player, he was obviously a good defensive player. He won the cups. Like it, it's such a well-rounded resume. Um, Here's the argument against I, I, him, as it was presented to me during this. this yeah. I won't say who, but he's never won a major award, which is true. He's yeah. never really been in the running for a hard. He should have been up for Selkies, but he never was because he's a winger. Uh, he, he's never he's never won anything individual. Uh, he's not a point a game player, though he's over a thousand points for his career. Um, you, so I, I think he doesn't he doesn't pass that. Like when you look at his stats, he doesn't have six hundred and fifty goals like a Jerome McGinley does. He doesn't have um, you know. A, slew of, of Selkies, like a Patrice Bergeron, he'll be in the Hall of Fame on his first drive. But you're right. I mean, anyone, I, I look at it this way. I have never covered a athlete in any sport at any level, college, high school, pro, that was so universally revered by his teammates and by players and other teams. Like, you know, you might talk to a sports writer and be like, yeah, Marion Hosey, he's a good player. He had a bunch of 40-goal seasons and, you know, he turned himself into a great defensive player, you know, whatever. But you talk to a hockey player, Marion Hosey is a Goddamn God. Like, he is the perfect hockey player. Remember the way, that's what Joel Quindley used to call him. He used to call him, he's the perfect hockey player, the perfect professional. Um, and, and that always sticks to me. And it, it, we were lucky enough to see him play every day for, you know, six, seven years, whatever it was. So we see that, the, just the, the overall greatness. But when you look at his stats, and let's face it, that's what a lot of people do when they're coming up with these, you know, ballots. The stats aren't staggering. It's the overall yeah. body of work, like you said. And that's a harder case to make. If you didn't watch it night in, night out. And, and that's what I sort of wonder about, too, is just our own bias, having covered someone so closely, knowing the impact that he had um, on them. And I'm sure the people who covered, you know, the Penguins and the Red Wings probably saw that, too. Even, you know, where you watch him over an entire season, you see the impact he has and why he makes teams successful. And 
Um, you know, even when we did that draft recently with, with Burnside, it was like, yeah, I mean, Hosa, like, I could have made an argument for picking Hosa first, right? You yeah. know, like, it's just, it's... Um, Look at what's happened to the Blackhawks think... since he left. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know what the, the, the bias is there, and, I, and I'm sure... Um, you know, it's the same way of, you know, like when, when we pick for these awards, you know, I'm trying to do as much research for the Selkie and the, you know, Calder and all these things, but it's, uh, you know, some of it's based on numbers and reputation and, and like you're trying to do everything you can, but there's a different element when you're watching a player every day and you're seeing the impact and how, or how his game is, is changed by other players around him and, and the impact he has. And, um, you know, from uh, us at least watching those two cups, I, I don't think the Blackhawks won either of those cups without Hosts and his his influence on that top line and uh, what he did bo- on both sides of the ice. But uh, but again, it is an overall package, and it's funny because I wrote in 2015 that um, you know that Hosts. You know, I wrote I go our vote is Hosts is a complete package. One of his tools may not get him into the Hall of Fame, but he's worthy when you put them all together. Yeah. He's also likely to play at least a few more seasons. Yeah. So there, there was there was sort of this thought that, you know, he was sort of building. Like, you saw the contract, so you thought, right. well, the numbers will eventually add up, and that's, well, he's that's still part got of the equation. 525 goals. I mean, he's a three-time 40-goal scorer. Uh, it's the playoff stats that really, I mean, he went to five Stanley Cup finals, including that three in a row, and, and he had a six-long run in that 2014 run, and his numbers were great every playoff. I mean, when he was on the Penguins in his first Cup run, he had 12 goals and 14 assists in 20 playoff games. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. Yeah. And he reinvented himself. I mean, he was a guy who was, when he was in Ottawa and then a little bit in Atlanta, he was an offensive guy. He went out and scored goals. And as he got older, when he got into his 30s, he reinvented himself as maybe the best offensive forward in hockey. So to be able to be a superstar offensively and a superstar defensively and to have three cups and to be so universally revered, I mean, he's a no-brainer for me. He's got to be in. But I'm not sure. I'm not going to reveal how our vote went. Um you know, there were other Blackhawks involved, too. I, I, I was the one who nominated Steve Larmer, who should be in. Uh, Doug Wilson's a guy who should, he should have been in 20 years ago, as Pierre Lebrun will tell you. Um, it's, there's, where, where did you stand on Michael Hansers? Uh, I, I pushed hard. I pushed hard, but I was rejected, sadly. There, there was a couple of guys who got zero votes, in, uh, and, and, and the people that nominated them were sad. Um, <laughs> it, it's, a really, it's a really interesting process. Like the, the, male, the male player vote was not that hard. There was a couple of tough decisions. The female vote was very simple. We had two great candidates that were just no-brainers. The builder category, holy cow, is that hard? Because, I mean, you got goalie coaches lumped in with longtime owners lumped in with, you know, the, the, the second black player ever to play in hockey. I mean, how do you – it's not apples to apples. It's apples to oranges to grapefruits to, to – and it's just crazy trying to compare these guys. So it's it's really hard to uh, to do the builders category. But the players, I mean, for me, Jerome McGinley, Marion Hosen, no-brainers. And then there's like a handful of guys. It'll be interesting to see if a Doug Wilson finally gets in, um, someone like that. Because there's, you know, Daniel Alfredson's a name that gets thrown around a lot. He's he's revered in Ottawa, but nowhere else is he going to be able to get in. There's some interesting names this year. And uh, Host is the one that I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on for obvious reasons. But that's a guy that belongs in. And I'm not convinced that the panel will do the right thing. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, it's funny. I talked to a reporter in Slovakia uh, yesterday, I was like, "Oh, what?" Uh, I was asking about it, and he wasn't even that aware of it. So, I, I don't know how much of like there's even. I don't know how much expectation others have of him getting in or not. Like, it's it's interesting. Well, here are the other first ballot guys: Brian Campbell is on the ballot, Shane Doan, Michael Hanzus, Jerome McGinley, Chris Neal, Mike Ribeiro, Nick Schultz. So, of that group, it's Jose and McGinley. Nobody else really has a chance. Yeah. No offense, Brian Campbell's a phenomenal player. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Shane Doan's a, a beloved player, but he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. So of the first ballot guys, it's 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 a certainly in Hosa. So there's 
Host is going up. He's, he's got to get in the top four, but it's got to be with enough votes. And you've got a lot of guys that people are banging the drum for for a long time. You're Like, again, the, the Doug Wilsons of the world. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out. But uh, to me, you can't have a Hockey Hall of Fame without Marion Host in it. Was was there uh, were there heated discussions or how like what was it the... was civil I mean we did it all over Slack uh, we thought it would be a yeah. little uh, oh. hurting cats on Zoom and obviously we can't be in person these days <laughs> but uh, it, it, there was some good discussion like a couple of times where someone would step in and say hey no look you're all idiots here this is not this is this guy's not a Hall of Famer why is this guy suddenly what and Hosa was a flashpoint for some of that because we were all saying Hosa 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 and then someone stepped in and said why Hosa. Five years ago, nobody was talking about Hosa. Now it's like he's a, he's a lock. And what has changed? Because in the last few years, he certainly hasn't done anything. So why is it different now? Why is this night different than all other nights? It was asking the four questions. And it was uh, it was interesting because it, it really stopped people in their tracks, I think. And it made them reconsider it. So there were a few times where it really kind of didn't come to a head. But we were having really good spirited discussion about what makes a Hall of Famer. Uh, again, the builders category was where that, that was the hardest. Where people were really making cases. They had their pet guy that they wanted to get in. And, you know, you've got... Guys like, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Victor Tikhonov is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, how is that possible? How yeah. is Victor Tikhonov not in the Hall of Fame? But then you're comparing him against, you know, uh, a goalie coach. Like Francois Allaire, who revolutionized goaltending. How do you compare the two? I mean, you know, one revolutionized hockey, the other sort of revolutionized hockey. I don't know how you, you built... I, I don't envy the job, um, but it's a fascinating process to go through. I don't think it's better than having 2,000 people or whatever vote on it, like the baseball writers do, and... Don't get me started on the baseball writers with their sanctimonious nonsense about, you know, <laughs> unanimous ballots and all that, whatever. But I, I don't know if having 18 people make this decision is a good idea. It seems like yeah. it's, especially when it's 18, it's, it's, it's very often like 18 old timers, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what the makeup of the, of the, the committee is this year, but I'm doubting there's a lot of analytics minded people on there. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Please tell me if I'm wrong. But it's 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 weird to let just eighteen people decide that when you can have a much wider swath of the hockey punditry do that. What what I'm looking forward to this week is you wrote about mascots again, and that's I did. I just spent the last hour and a half making pie charts about mascots. This is nice. this is some serious it's hardcore level. journalism right here that I'm doing on day one hundred uh, of the pandemic. Oh, when this is all over with, you can do like a mascot book, you know, like. It's it's put all this stuff together and yeah I'm not going to give away I'm not going to give away the story but um it's it's probably the most profound and important work I've ever done in my my career I I'm not I I actually sort of forget what it was but uh (laughs) did you dress up as a mascot and like I did not we we actually had Allison Lucan of one of our Columbus writers she was the Richmond Spider that story was on so I mean I I you know I mean how great is that we actually have mascots on staff. Uh, this whole mascot yeah, week is hilarious. I've been in the, 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 our Slack channel for the mascot week. It's good to know that I'm not the only mascot enthusiast out there. But I do like to think of myself as the liaison for the NHL mascots to the to the wider world. I wrote a story for the same week that we're writing, and I unfortunately got a less happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. mind isn't as exciting about <laughs> this. Isn't flying mascots slightly more interesting though? Um, yeah. So yeah, that'll be out. Uh, my piece will be out Thursday, I think. So as it, soon as it, I, it, you've only been working on it for what eight months now. Oh God! Uh, I can't wait to be done. With it. <laughs> I don't even know if it's good, so it's yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I wrote about Jordan Hendry today. Um, I feel like even, even though like it's the 10 year anniversary, like it's officially over. Like I feel like there's still some obligation to for me to crank a few more of these out because I did. I am sorry to fall for us 
committing to this. So. <laughs> we've done a bunch of them. They've been good. We've done various. We've had podcasts. We've had Q&As. It's been yeah. good the way we've done it. I, I like the Jordan Henry one because Smolniak. that's true. That's the Hendry's got. He's part of one of my favorite stories about that 2010 team is the the scratches from that game six. And you, you touched on it in this story where, you know, the, the, the Hawks were winning in the third period and nobody wants to be on the ice in like a suit hoisting the cup. So they all go downstairs during the third period. They put on their uniforms and then the Flyers tied it with which it was like a few minutes left. They tied it to the overtime. They're like, oh shit. So they all ran into uh, Pavel, the masseuse's, uh, the massage therapist room, which is like a broom closet in the Philadelphia visiting locker room. They crammed in there where the, the, the table was like wedged in there sideways. So there was like no room for them because they didn't want to look like assholes in their pristine, clean uniforms while their teammates <laughs> trudged in after just coming that close to the Stanley Cup. So they're literally cowering in the, in the, in a closet waiting for intermission to be over. It's like, go back out there and then come out like they won the cup. It was great. I love that story. Uh, and, and that's what I asked him too. Is like, like, didn't it cross your mind that this could be like the most depressing, like just you'd have to change out of your clothes and put back on your suit. And he's like, yeah, but it was, it was worth the risk compared to the other. Brian, Brian Bickle. It was Brian Bickle, Hendry. I think it was Colin Frazier, one of those guys. It was like four or five of them. But I, uh, Burrish. Burrish, yeah. Yeah, I, I know um, Bickle is famous. He always said like he he never counted the 2010 as his cup. I remember during the 2013 run how he says like, look, my name's not on there. I didn't win that. I I got to lift it over my head, but I didn't win it. So like this is you know this is my chance to actually put my name on the cup. And then he went and scored a whole bunch of goals. Uh, yeah, that was uh, and that's an interesting element to that whole story. Um, and then I think we have a few other things planned this week, right? I think. We do. We gotta we're gonna touch on a few things this week. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's almost like we have stuff to write about. Yeah, exciting. and look out for our Hall of Maybe. Fame, uh, Hall of Fame story. It's really interesting. You can yell at me for my ballot because we're we're going full transparency. You'll see every vote, um, and uh, it, it it it's fun. It's it's really interesting just to learn how it works. Yeah, I'm looking I forward to how it works. So so read it just for that sake. Cool. Um, and then hopefully next week we'll have more. Uh, I guess just we'll know, know more about the Hub City and how these yeah. things are coming together or coming apart and coming yeah, apart. Yeah, we'll, yeah, possibly. <laughs> sure, we'll have a lot more to talk about. <laughs> Um, you uh, you have a good week. You too, man. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Sounds good. Take care. See ya. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.